I want to find out from you because this is a question that obviously I get from everyone and it's obviously market specific as well. But what's your perspective on the current state of the Canadian real estate market and do you have any predictions for its future? Okay, that's the number one question I I have everyone asking me. But uh, like this is what I tell people like where I think it's headed based on these data points. Joining us today is Miss Milena Simsek. Malena, can you take us back to the beginning of your real estate journey? Yeah, for sure. So I started as an ICU nurse in Detroit in my early 20s. I went straight from high school into university and then straight from university to nursing. I saved up some money while I was in university working a factory job. From there, I saved tens of thousands of dollars. I got some scholarships throughout the way as well. And I took that money plus what I made in like the first six months of my nursing career to buy my first investment property, which was a six unit building in Windsor, which at the time was $420,000, which is <laughs> impossible to find now, by the way. Uh, it did you know, yeah. go up in value a lot since then. And then from, from there, I bought another investment property, a duplex conversion and realized that the smaller projects were just as much, if not more work than the larger multifamilies. <laughs> and now I'm looking at, at buying larger projects. Like I, I made a couple offers on some 20 plus units. They didn't end up working out, but I'm still on the hunt for that. So looking for larger things. I started my own realtor team now. I quit my nursing job fully based off the net worth and income I made off of those properties I initially bought. And yeah, now I own a realtor team here, Win Social Realty, you know, five realtors. I mentor realtors across North America and I'm, I'm still, you know, investing on the side as well. So that's, I think, just of it. <laughs> that's just a lot. Like, and, and, and what was that time frame? What is that time frame like? Because you packed a lot in there. You've done a lot. That was five years. Exactly. So I started wow. my first nursing job when I was 22 and now I'm 27. Impressive. I have one question for you. Most people, when they start out with an investment property, don't jump all the way to six units. <laughs> so what, what, what made you take that big, that big jump? And then second follow-up to that is that pushes it into the commercial side. So how did that, how did the financing look on, on that end as well? Yeah, absolutely. So being around the right people was definitely a, a good reason as to why I went larger. I had a realtor that was an investor as well. And he pushed me to go for larger because I could like, you know, I had the high paying nursing job. I had the large down payment and he's like, well, here are much larger properties for the same price you're looking at. So that was a major reason having the right people. And sorry, there was a second question to that. I forgot. Yeah, the second one was the financing side, right? Um, oftentimes, there's also the, the equity portion to your your purchase when you're going commercial, right? Right. So for four to six units, RBC is the only one that can do residential mortgages on these properties. So I ended up getting a CMHC mortgage on this six unit. Owner, it was owner occupied. I was actually living in this place. So I was able to put only 15% down instead of the traditional, you know, 25% with commercial. And that's basically it. Go to RBC if you want residential mortgages on four to six units. That is impressive. I honestly did not know that. Um, and. <laughs> And, and like I said, prior to us linking up is I've, I've been following your journey for quite some time now. So the first one that you and 
I find it super inspiring, by the way. The, the, the first one that you bought, you decided to renovate this property versus selling it, right? What was uh, what right. were the factors that you were considering when weighing out those two options? It, it was my goal to hang on to any property that I buy in the long term. For smaller ones, I might sell them off, but this one's performing really well, and I, I wanted like that forced appreciation in it. And it also has refinance potential. So right now I can pull like hundreds of thousands of dollars out of my properties in order to buy those larger ones. Um, yeah. So that that's the main reason. I, I'm looking for long-term wealth with every single property that I buy. So I'm gonna be holding it for the long-term. Yeah, it basically was my goal. If my goal was to flip, I probably would have you know, sold it within six months to a year. But yeah, I just wanted to hang on to it and get that cash flow. I love that. I love that. It's it's all about the long-term strategy. Now, right. you you were able to become a, a millionaire at at the age of 26, if I'm not mistaken, through real estate. Yeah. That is super, super impressive. In fact, that's like <laughs> clickbaity. Like we might even just make that the title. Like it's insane. Can you walk us through some of the key milestones? Yeah. So I, I'm not going to lie. Like some of it was luck because Windsor prices have doubled since I bought those properties. So a lot of it, it's over a million at this point, but a lot of it comes from those properties. So I did obviously buy these with the intention of putting forced depreciation on them. So some of the net worth yeah. from that was actually forced depreciation from turning over tenants, renovating units, doing the right renovations, buying solid buildings that only need lipstick renovations or uh, a unit ad like I did for uh, the second house. So. For, for the house that I bought, that's a duplex conversion. I did do, it was pure forced appreciation there. I, I didn't get lucky with the price. The price that I bought it at uh, back then is the same market as we're in right now. So still got, you know, about a hundred thousand out of that one, but it's mostly looking for those properties where you can add value or add units or find some sort of opportunity in it is where you're going to make the big money there. Exactly. It's um, the, the key is banking on the forced appreciation and then anything above that is just an extra bonus, right? Now, right. Based on based on what you've said so far is that you you sort of linked up with the right people before jumping into real estate. So you obviously you did a bit of your homework, you've, do, you've done some research prior to this, and you like you attacked it at a very strategic sort of angle. So can you tell us the moment when you realized that real estate was the path to financial freedom for you and and the steps that you put in place from there? Yeah, for sure. So I, I just saw other people doing it that were just like me. They were in regular jobs and all of a sudden they're multimillionaires after investing in real estate for 10 plus years, right? It's it's not as easy as like, you know, you invest for a few years and you make millions of dollars unless you, you know, create a successful flipping business or something like that, right? But that's considered active income at that point. So yeah, I just basically saw other people doing it. And I went to networking events that were in person in Windsor, Ontario, and just linked up with those people. I'm still in touch with a lot of these people to this day. And as you get higher in your investing or your career path right now, like the realtor part is kind of the most active part for me. This is where I make the big bucks at the moment, my active income. And then, you know, real estate is like the, how do you call it? Like long-term cash, you know, this is where I'm going to make the millions yeah. over 10 years. So yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, find the right people to surround yourself with. And as you get higher, uh, find even better people to surround yourself with. Not saying to drop those past people, but hopefully you can find others that can raise themselves up with you. 
100%. I love that. I, I love the way you broke that down. And you're absolutely right. It is key. I think most people, the when they get into this, is that they think that they can, through passive income, quickly just quit their job. And it's generally not the case, right? There's some sort of active component to it if you want to go full swing into real estate, whether it's flipping, wholesaling, you know, getting your realtor's license, whatever that is. And then it's the, the wealth is built in the long term. So I, I fully, right. fully get that. Now, I like the fact that you highlighted that because um, I feel like, and this is one key thing that I try and do with each interview that I that I have is highlight the wins as well as the challenges so that people can be mentally prepared for that. Um, what are some challenges or setbacks that you've encountered so far during your real estate journey and how were you able to overcome them? Yeah. I mean, I guess it was mostly, um, finding the right team. That's huge in my, in my business and my real estate investing journey. (laughs) So, you know, contractors, that's like a very common, (laughs) very common complaint. Tenants are a very common complaint. The building itself is fantastic. It doesn't give me any issues. It doesn't talk back to me. It just (laughs) is the people, right? Surrounding everything. So yeah, it's just, you know, learning how to manage people, learning the skills in order to do that, how to find the right people and then going through trial and error to find the right team. And um, it's been the same for my real estate investing career and my, my realtor career. So if you, if you learn, basically learn how to find the right people and you can get anything done, like literally. So <laughs> that's the biggest challenge for me. I, I, I love that answer. And, um, you know, there's, there's two, two of my favorite books, um, how to win friends and influence people. And I feel like that's a big skill that everyone, everyone should work towards, no matter what you're looking to do, whether it's investing in real estate, there's always a people component to it. And then the second one is the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I don't know if you know that book, if you've read that book, but he highlights like there's the, the three, the three different types of people that you get the technician the entrepreneur and the manager and that was a real eye-opener for me is is knowing where my skill set lies and then you know mm-hmm. you then outsource and and delegate to to sort of to your weaknesses if that makes sense but i i, I love your answer i really really do so one thing that i do want to highlight melena is you've built a significant following on social media um and i know this isn't this isn't an easy task um especially with TikTok, like that's, that's been one challenging one for me personally. I'm not going to lie. I even, I had this, I had this personal challenge where I was like, I'm going to post a video every single day for a hundred days on TikTok and, and just see what happens. And, and this was, you know, a long, long time ago. And, um, I ended up going 260 days and man, it, it helped me sharpen my skills behind the camera, but my following did not grow at all. I'm like, okay, well I contextually, I must be doing something wrong in this app, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how is how is this online presence contributed to your real estate success? Oh, it's like ninety percent of it. I I know the TikTok gods are finicky. I I can't even figure them out to be honest. I I did get like a quite a few viral videos with them, and the mixture that I've seen work is it has to like capture their attention every one second. There has to be a good hook and it has to provide valuable information that most people, like 99% of people don't know, but that's can still be condensed into 15 seconds. So like, it's, it's hard to find that little niche. Like my last one was actually about single key 
And the reason this one that went viral is because the tenants and the landlords were arguing in the com comments there. So it helped the algorithm. And it uh -huh. seems like conflict is the best way to mm -hmm. get high up on TikTok. And people seem a lot angrier there, to be honest, <laughs> than other platforms. Um, I, I have experience, you know, with YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and TikTok by far. There are savages, savages there. But anyways, uh, for, for social media, yeah, it's like literally been 90% of my success. And the reason that I, I think it's blown up is because when I went into it, my main goal was to provide one of two things in every single video or both, and that's information or inspiration. So I, I do tend to be more on the data driven side, give a lot of information and people tend to like that because it helps them on their journeys. So when I first started, I basically just, I thought to myself, like, what would I want to know before I started investing in real estate? So the first video I put out was about the six unit and how, you know, you can buy that instead of a single family home. And that one blew up to over a hundred thousand views because it's not common knowledge. So social media provided me like, you know, the network, not really like the influence, but uh, the credibility. <laughs> and the reason yep. I got the credibility is because I provided useful information and showed what I know and proved that I know this stuff. And I, I showed my results online. Um, it, there, there is a saying like, you know, fake it till you make it, but you fake it long enough on social media, people are going to find out. I never yes. put one piece of false information out online because Again, you get big enough, people will find out. So thinking about your audience, providing value, and it eventually comes back to you naturally. I love that. Education, inspiration. Um, you know, because I was like, man, like it's finding that combination of these trendy things. Do I have to dance in front of the camera and have some no. information <laughs> pop up, you know? <laughs> I never danced. The most I've done was like point like this. Never. Yeah. I can't dance for the life of me. I thought I had to get into it too. But no, you don't have to dance on TikTok or Instagram to get a following. <laughs> You heard it here, folks. Um, now, most investors understand the power of building their brand. And um, I feel like I feel like they could learn a lot from you. So what key things would you say have served you well in building your brand? Um, and what are some non-negotiables that you have with yourself to keep this aspect of your business fueled? Now, I know you've already highlight, highlighted this whole process that goes behind all the content that you've created. And one non-negotiable would be not faking anything and being completely transparent. Do you have any practices with your busy schedule that you have in place that you've sort of set for yourself, those non-negotiables so that you keep this side of your business actively going. I did have a non-negotiable at one point to film and edit and, and do all this stuff every Sunday. So Sunday was like my content day and I would put out content for the rest of, of the week from Sunday. So I would plan it out on Hootsuite. So that was my original non-negotiable, but then I got busy enough to the point where I couldn't spend an entire day doing content. And once, and you are not going to get busy enough in your business until you get that following. <laughs> so I, I feel like the, it's not an excuse to not do content. You, you just have yeah. to put in the extra hours in order to learn these skills in order to make the money so you can eventually outsource and hire the right people. So that was my original non-negotiable. Then I hired a social media manager and a full-time video editor. And right now the non-negotiable is 
making sure that I film. <laughs> That's all, you know, I only really spend an hour or two on it, making content ideas, scripts, filming, and then my team takes care of the rest. So yeah. originally it was, my non-negotiable was I'm going to put in the hours until I get better, until, you know, I, I grow my business enough in order to outsource it. So it's hard to say, but my overall non-negotiable in life is to continue improving and succeeding. And I guess that ties into everything that, that I do. <laughs> that is so true. Now tell me, with regards to your, your shooting schedule, I know everyone has their, their, own, their own sort of strategy to this. Are you doing it like one day in a week where you like batch shoot and send that over to your team? Do you do it like every second week? Is it a daily practice for you? What, what works best for you? Yeah, so it, it, it's a weekly thing most of the time. I try to do the monthly thing, but I like to switch up, you know, ideas or work on them throughout the month. So right now it's weekly. And I basically batch shoot content, batch shoot content, tongue twister. <laughs> Some, you know, whenever I have a couple hours of time, it doesn't have to be a specific day anymore. I just book it in my calendar. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my hair or makeup ready that shoot here. And I normally do it on days where I have, you know, a lot of appointments or podcasts like this, you know, where I have to curl my hair and look really nice and all that. So <laughs> I, I did a few videos before getting on here, you know, whatever works with the schedule, that's basically, you know, when I do it and it's once a week, whenever within the week. I like that because I feel like that's more manageable for most people, right? Maybe they still have their nine to five, they push and invest in on the side, but they still want to grow a brand. Um, an investing brand, they can still take a few hours, maybe sometime during the weekend, put that aside, get themselves done and all fancy, shoot some content right. and then spend the remainder of the week editing it themselves if they if they haven't right. outsourced it as yet. But I love I love that advice. I feel like I feel like my audience is going to get uh, um, a ton of golden nuggets just just from this portion alone. I want to clarify too, you don't have to dress up to do video content either. It doesn't have to be <laughs> no. I just want to put that out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. People like authenticity. This is, this yeah. is how I like to dress on a daily basis. Anybody that knows me, they know I dress like this. So I, I do like to, you know, that's just for me personally, but again, you don't, you don't have to, you could be in your workout clothes. You just have some time on a Saturday morning and your kids are watching cartoons, just shoot a batch of videos whenever you have time and then use like some AI tools like, um, forget, it's called CapCut. CapCut, that'll Cap automatically Cut. like, yeah, you've heard of it, I'm sure, or Descript, something like that. It can yeah. automatically get rid of pauses and put in like those Alex Hermosi texts in there and that can all be done within a couple hours. So yeah, it's, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I find Descript to be the most user-friendly one for, for most people, but I love the Alex Homozi. Actually, I have the Homozi cap there behind me and I have the book just slightly oh. down there. Big fan of Homozi. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, tell me, could you, could you share a specific um, deal or investment that stands out where there was a huge success or like significant learning experience that you ended up getting out of that deal. Now it could be this six unit one, it could be the, the duplex after it, but what's sort of the biggest thing that stands out to you so far in your investing journey? Uh, I guess I, I knew this right from the very beginning, but don't try to make the numbers work. And I I've been trying to get that bigger building, like the 20 plus units. And I, I came across a couple that I was honestly, I was emotionally attached to it. And I kind of, I realized that afterwards 
And I'm like, I've been trying to make the numbers work on these buildings just for the sake of getting more units. And that's not what I went into investing for. So that's like the number one thing. It's funny, like I started making that mistake after hitting two home runs on my properties there. But um, yeah, so that's number one. The, the second most important thing is getting the right people. So I made a couple of mistakes with contractors, like all real estate investors and, uh, <laughs> don't, don't trust them with too much money in the beginning. If, if you don't know them very well, even if you do, don't give them too much money up front. look at their track record with yourself and other investors, get referrals from other investors that have used them before, uh, that sort of thing. So two major ones, one with people, one with the numbers. So very common <laughs> real estate investor mistakes. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, as soon as we start tying emotion into it, then it becomes a, a dangerous game that we play, you know, and we, we have this constant, uh, FOMO, like I should be doing something. And, and if the deal doesn't make sense, then, you know, maybe just and move on. Th that's another danger of social media too. People assume, you know, if like a, I don't have too many units to begin with. Like I, I have nine units right now under me, right? And <laughs> I, I have, you know, you see other people on social media with the hundred plus. So obviously I am looking for bigger projects right now, but I definitely do have that FOMO where it's like, should I be getting a bunch of units like these other people? But sometimes, you know, I 100% own all of my units, right? And I have, you know, well over a million net worth. I'm close to making half a million a year in my business. I see these other people and some of them only own like 10 to 20% of a property, even though they own a hundred units. So they could be at the same yeah. scale as somebody with 10. So in terms of net worth and all that. So I have been like, personally, I've been getting FOMO looking at these, these larger people. And from that, I think we can learn to not compare ourselves to others that we all have different journeys and to stick to your own original goals and what works for you there. Um, and obviously keep aiming for better, but that's another trap I've fallen into when, you know, having a social media presence and all that. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I feel like people tend to focus a lot on how many doors do you have? And you're absolutely right. One person that has a ton of doors, hundreds of doors could be leveraged like crazy and, and not right. be in a good financial situation. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely not the focal point. And, uh, it's even when I, or I do my investor consults with my clients is, is digging beyond just, I want to own 5,000 doors. Like what's the, yes. why? what's, what are we working <laughs> towards and, and what resources right. do you have and, 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 and what lifestyle are you trying to build kind of thing. But, um, so right. I love that. And then, and then for building like your power team, like contractors, all of that, it's always better to go through photos than try and Google and, and just find someone. Um, I do right. know contractors I find is the one that investors tend to hold very close to their chest just because yes. like, if you have a good contractor, they, they're either busy all the time or they're super expensive. Right. And if yes. they, and if they, if they have the time and they're great, like it's not going to be long until they either busy or they're super expensive. So, so most people want to hang on to those, but, but um, referrals are definitely the better way to go, the safer way at least. I got two people under me right now that like, like my video editor, like I mentioned, I will not share him. There's no way. And then, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I do have a contractor right now where I'm, I'm very, I will still share him, but only to like my very close circle. And if he's not working on any of my projects at the moment. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to find good people from well, one of them from a referral. So it does work, you know, using those referral connections, but yeah, they, yeah. they do hold them close to their chest. Like I do. So 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, is, which, which is fair, which is fair. I, I think the biggest way to go about building that referral database is is by networking with other investors. And uh, that's one thing that I, I see you guys do out in Windsor is you actually have a real estate investor meetup. Um, how often do you host those? Uh, every single month. I'll obviously leave all your information in down in the description and people can somewhat find a link to go sign up for those. But um, yeah, I, I honestly, I found that was the best way to like grow my network was just going to these investor meetups, go to as many as you can, network with as many investors as you can. And that's how you get the referrals. Um, now tell me, exactly. I want to find out from you because this is a question that obviously I get from everyone and it's obviously market specific as well. But what's your perspective on the current state of Cana the Canadian real estate market? And do you have any predictions for its future? Now you can go micro into, of course, the market that you in, which is Windsor, Ontario. But what, what, what are you seeing in the market right now? Yeah, I, I think I'll focus on Windsor because honestly, I don't think I can speak on all yeah. of Canada. It's, it's exactly. hard. To, like even the best economists can't predict where the market's going to go. Just but, um, pull out your crystal ball it, there quickly. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> like, I, that's the number one question I, I have everyone asking me. But right. uh, like th this is what I tell people like where I think it's headed based on these data points. So uh, for for Windsor at the moment, we have billions of dollars of development coming here. We have thousands of people coming here for jobs, and that's not even including the immigrants we have coming here and the student immigrants, because Windsor is the cheapest place for like tuition wise and living wise for stu immigrant students to come and finish their education. And we have a pretty solid university and college here. So um, like thousands of people coming here, supply is dwindling. So what I'm seeing in starter homes at the moment, even though the interest rates are rising, even when the winter market slows down, anything under five or 600,000 tends to go pretty quickly and we still have bidding wars on those. So people will look at Windsor and they'll see like two or $300,000 properties there's like a 90% chance there's going to be a massive bidding war on those and it'll go to four to $500,000 on them. So a uh, very common tactic that we use here to, to get those prices up and create that, you know, that rush. So, um, yeah, I think Windsor in the next you know year or two is probably going to keep going higher just because we don't have that supply. I have no idea what's going to happen yeah. with the interest rates. Um, but all I know right now is that properties are cheaper, interest rates are higher, interest rates are negotiable and changeable, but the prices you buy these properties at will not change, right? So like everybody's scared and for investors, this is the best time to buy literally when everybody's waiting for the market to drop. And when everybody's waiting, that means everyone's going to rush in at once. And I know like if the prices drop any lower in Windsor, we have a flood of buyers that's gonna get everything up here, right? And the bidding wars prove that. So yeah. I, I don't see a slowdown here at least. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with the, you know, the rest of Canada. I know the GTA has definitely slowed down a lot. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my uh, projection for Windsor. It's it's gonna go up in the next couple of years based on all these factors. So not too different from from Edmonton then. Um, thanks for that yeah. breakdown. Um, yeah, and, and if anyone is is interested in investing in Windsor, Ontario, of course, just be sure to reach out to Milena. Now, can you can you provide some insights into your approach for to property management and tenant relations? You know, perhaps you know there's new investors out there listening, and and that's that's a concern for them is the property management side. 
Yeah. What advice do you have for them? Those people that will be new to the whole landlord role? Yeah. So if you're getting somebody to manage it for you, uh, find the right team, obviously get good referrals. If you're managing yourself and finding your own tenants, I always recommend use singlekey.com for the background checks. It'll check their credit score, previous landlord references, job income, all of that. So use that. I did, I didn't mention a site. I can't remember the site, but it's not single key. It's something else, but it checks the, you can basically lower or increase your tenants credit scores. Uh, if they sign up with you on the site and they have to agree to it right at the beginning of the lease. So I would highly recommend that everybody gets this service before signing up any tenant in Ontario, because it's, it's going to help your good tenants improve their credit score. Maybe they can buy a home one day. And for the yeah. tenants that don't pay their rent, it's going to lower their credit score and incentivize them to, to pay rent. So I, I do highly encourage people to use that. I can't remember. I made a, a viral video on it just like six months ago. I can't remember, but uh, search it up like tenant credit scores in Ontario or something like that. So those are the two things. Make sure you get the right tenant in. <laughs> Absolutely get the right tenant in from the beginning. And then, you know, keep the place safe and clean. If you don't properly manage a, a property, it's only a matter of time before you get into trouble. I actually have an interesting story from that sixplex. It was, <laughs> if you wanted to hear it. Um, yeah, please go ahead. Was, uh, okay, so it was improperly managed by an out-of-town investor before we bought it. The guy was desperate to get rid of it. Uh, none of the smoke alarms were checked in forever. Uh, he didn't have carbon monoxide alarms in there either. So the first thing I did, like first day I got the property, we installed carbon monoxide alarms, smoke alarms, everything. And lo and behold, one month later, <laughs> they start going off. So the carbon monoxide alarms started going off because there was um there was a, a kink in one of the exhausts at the, the like the hot water heater or something. And we got the fire department over there and everything. They discovered the source. We fixed all of it up, but if I'm a nurse, so if you, if you know carbon monoxide, if that were to build up, it could actually kill people silently yeah. in their sleep. So yeah. if we didn't get this property, like literally <laughs> one month, uh, if we got it one month later, people could have died. So, uh, yeah, prioritize safety, prioritize, you know, a, a good clean property and uh check your tenants and you're going to get good tenants if you maintain a property well so yeah that's my general advice there <laughs> that is solid solid advice i love that um and just to highlight again is you know the the, the more upfront work you can do the the easier it'll be go, going forward right if you if you put all that time into your tenant screening um exactly. it can make all the difference and then be a good landlord have some decency, yes. be a good landlord, and you'll attract great tenants, right? Um, right. Now, I have a question for you, and, and maybe not specifically for you who, who has a real estate business as well as the investing side, but for investors listening out there, you know, the importance of goal setting so that you take in action and, and moving towards your goal is really important. Now, how would you recommend people balance that side of things along with the side of not forcing numbers to make them work so that you can stay on track? to your acquisition goals, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Any advice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
not forcing numbers and still like you're gonna have to look at a lot of deals you just have to look at a lot of deals until you find one that makes sense for the numbers yeah. that you're looking for and then sometimes it might not be realistic in the market that you're looking in and if it's not then you know consider a different market right so you know whether that's the 0.75 percent rule or one percent rule like yeah, I mean, just run numbers, run a lot of numbers until, yeah. you know, you can look at a property and know if it's going to cash flow just from having that much practice. And, and that should, should help you make a decision based on data rather than emotion. <laughs> that was a killer answer. I know that was not an easy question to answer. That was a killer answer. I, I, I love that because if, if people run, run numbers enough, firstly, the, the expectations would be reasonably set. Um, if you haven't run numbers um, enough times, like sometimes your expectations can be out of whack for the market itself and the strategy exactly. that you're trying to pursue. So right. I love that. That was an awesome answer, man. Um, so <laughs> can you, I mean, you have a lot on the go. You've accomplished a lot within five years. Can you share some strategies that you use to ensure that you have that work-life balance while being deeply involved in the real estate investing and uh, the realty side of things? Yeah, I, the work-life balance thing, um, sometimes it's going to get unbalanced and that's okay. Honestly, like it's okay that it's going to be hard. <laughs> like if you want to accomplish things that other people haven't accomplished, sometimes you have to really push yourself or maybe even sacrifice some things along the way in order to achieve these. Like, again, it depends on what your goals are. So I obviously, you know, I still take care of my, my health. I, I do encourage people, you know, exercising, but don't ditch that. Don't make sure to eat food, stay healthy and all that. But uh, sometimes it, it, it is going to be difficult. It will be unbalanced until you find a way to outsource and, get that balance again. So the only, the only way I was able to achieve work-life balance while doing all of this was bringing on people. Like you have to bring on people eventually, you can't do everything. And there was a, a point in my career where I was literally working eight, probably 80 hours a week easily. It was every single day of the week, 12 hours. So yeah, get the right people. <laughs> it's all about people. If you want to accomplish big things, you need to learn from people. You need to bring on people and eventually, you know, you'll have some of your time back to focus on the larger, like higher earning stuff. And then you can, you know, take care of yourself and your family a little bit more there. But I think like, I didn't have any help money wise getting into this. So I don't know how other people's experience are going to be, but, um, you know, I, I worked in a factory while I went to school. I worked as an ICU nurse during COVID in Detroit. I saved every penny I had. I never bought the newest phone. I didn't buy a new car. I never, you know, did a lot of things that made other people comfortable and, you know, where they had work-life balance in the beginning. I, I honestly, I didn't have that to achieve what I have now, but now I have more time back and I can, you know, I can get the fancy car. I can, you know, make the, the big money and let, you know, other people do a lot of the work for me. But uh, it, I honestly, I just expect it to be hard. Like it, it is likely going to be difficult. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe your work-life balance will be messed up, but uh, you'll, you'll eventually find it when you bring on the right team. 
I just want to like disconnect my mic and just drop it like that was that was amazing <laughs> that that was that was like the hardcore honest truth about it all because that that's just what it's like is you you need to be able to grind to a point where you you've created enough activity that it supports being able to delegate and outsource and and leverage other people's time to help you grow and it's it's a constant right. battle i'm I'm not sure what book this this is from but um he says there's no such thing as 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 balance as work life balance it's, mm -hmm. it's always a counterbalancing act you know and it always yes. it always moves from one end to the next and it's just trying to um trying to trying to keep keep the the key things that can't that can't go too far out like balance like your health and and, and family and those sort of things not letting them go too far or steer too far off track but um exactly. i i have a question for you so working 12 hours 7 days a week of course, is not sustainable long term. Any advice no. for people dealing with burnout, like pushing those long hours because they can expect that it's going to be hard and they're going to have to push those long hours to get to the next level where they can bring more people on, leverage other people's time. Um, but mm -hmm. in between those growth spurts, how do people, mm -hmm. what advice do you have for managing with burnout? That's a good question. I, I, I did experience, honestly, I don't think I've, Bur I haven't burnt out in this field. I felt discouraged before. And normally every time I feel discouraged, it's because I'm hanging around the wrong people. And when I get rid of some of these people in my life, somehow things get a lot better. <laughs> it always comes oh, back to people. Um, for for nursing, it was, I, I experienced burnout in nursing, but it, you know, I, I can't tell you how to avoid burnout in that because I don't think I've figured it out. I left the fields. Like I watched people die on, you know, a, at least a weekly basis over there. So um, it, for for this field, though, <laughs> I, I find that, you know, just being around the right people really does prevent burnout. And you start to learn from these people and what they're going through, just having that community and that support really helps you go through. So um yeah, that, that's my main piece of advice. That's been the experience for me. Other than nursing, I'm sorry, I, I wish I could give more advice on that. Other than, you know, take care of your health, go get professional help, and, you know, take care of yourself over there. But um, in, in this field, I, I would say, yeah, just, just be around the right people. That's a great point. It's You need the community to uh, just keep you, like support you and provide you with uh, inspiration and advice to know that you, you know, um, you can keep going and 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 i love that is is maybe it's it's auditing the, the people around you um right. yeah i find like if, if i'm getting close to that it's like less, also listening to my body and knowing knowing when i need to just prioritize a little more rest so that I can be a little more productive and and not push my body to the edge kind of thing but i love right. that response it's i love that um so Malena, it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show. It's called Time Capsule. So let's imagine that you've just stumbled across a time machine that allows you to travel back and forth in time. You can't change anything, but you can give and receive advice from your younger or older self. So first, let's go back to when you were 18, which is not that long ago. What advice would you give your younger self with the knowledge you have now? Now, this can be business, investing, personal life in general, or just a combination of them all. 
Yeah, um, I would tell them learn as many business related skills as you can and try everything. Don't be afraid to try everything. And um, I kind of I kind of did that throughout my younger years. Like I, I started a home care agency while I was in nursing school. I did a few other businesses in high school and everything. That's like a whole different story. But uh, yeah. yeah, like the skills I've, I've learned, like you know, buying investment properties or running the realtor business, the marketing, the lead generation, the sales. Um, I would tell them focus on marketing and sales and you can make any business work. Uh, like the stuff I've learned <laughs> in my realtor career and my team, I could, yeah. like, I feel like I could start anything that I want. I, yeah, that's what I would tell them. And even now, like, uh, like build a curriculum for yourself. Like I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly trying to grow. I, you know, I, I have a, you know, a personal trainer for, for my physical health there. I had coaches in the past for my realtor stuff there. I'm always looking to, to learn and, and keep growing there. Cause it's, I feel like learning is the funnest part of this. Like just, <laughs> just seeing like what you can improve. So I would tell them, you know, learn, learn more business skills, marketing and sales mostly. Ooh. Fire, fire. The, so yeah, firstly is is trying out trying out a bunch of different things just helps you find your 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 passion a whole lot quicker. You know what interests you, what intrigues you, what brings you more fulfillment. I love the fact that you highlighted marketing and sales because, like you mentioned, that is a transferable skill into any industry. I mean, even just right. the investors listening to this podcast, if you can get good at marketing and sales, I mean that would just yeah. grow your investing business, right? Because Every investor gets to the point where they they run out of a specific resource. Most of the time, it ends up being money, and they want to raise money. Well, you need to be able to market yourself as an investor to attract other partners, and then you need to have a sales ability to be able to persuade people to use you. Like, why why should they work with you? Why should they partner up with you? Right, and that's that's exactly. sales and marketing. So, I love that. I was gonna say, and social media literally combines the two. Like you have to convince people yeah. to watch your videos, and that's and and that's marketing. That's that's essentially marketing yourself and building credibility. So, um, yeah, social media super <laughs> super important right now. Exactly, you a testament to that. Um... You do really, really great. And honestly, I want to leave your contact info below. People should go check out your social media. She does a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic job of creating content on social media. Um, yeah. Now, let's look ahead to your 80th birthday. What advice do you imagine your future self would offer you at your current age? Oof. Tough one, I know. I'm like thinking about like what my mom tells me sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's hard to like, it's hard to say exactly how to do this, but be authentic to yourself and be, be honest to yourself as well. And the way to do that, I guess, is to more, I wish I knew, I honestly wish I knew what my 80 year old self would say, but you're really making me think like the higher version of myself. I mean, these are great questions, but yeah, be authentic to yourself. Do keep promises to yourself. Because yeah. you're going to gain a lot more self-respect. You're going to lead a, you know, a community to better places. And I, it's not really business advice, I guess, more general life advice that I, I even, I even try to follow this now. Like you, you have to respect yourself. And in order to do that, you have to do, I, I feel like you have to have a track record in order to, you, you can't fool yourself. Right. So, you know, be a good person. Hold promises to yourself and others and yeah, keep 
keep trying to make the world a better place, I guess. Like, like my goal in my realtor business is to raise the standards in this field. I, I came from, you know, a place in, you know, ICU nursing in Detroit at Henry Ford Hospital was like the, the pinnacle of nursing there. And everybody was, you had to be on the daughter, people would die. And you come into the realtor field and there's, there's a lot of amazing realtors, but they're normally the top 10%. And a lot of people yeah. have bad experiences with realtors. And I hate to see that in nursing. You don't see too many bad experiences because you know, you don't last long in the field. If, if there is a bad experience, right? It's life or death, so, right? Yeah. I, I feel like, um, that that's kind of like my way of making the world a, a mm. better place right now, you know, raise the standards in the field, build a team of realtors that have these increased standards in order to help people for, you know, the biggest, uh, financial purchase of their life. Right. So yeah, I, I hope that kind of answers it. I know it was all over the place, but it does. It does. Yeah. It definitely does. And it's, it's deep. And to be honest, it's, it's something that I think about all the time as well as in order to have that self-respect and self-confidence, you have to, you have to do what you say you're going to do um, and, and not let yes. yourself down. Because if you had a friend who let you down all the time, like how long would they be your friend for? How much respect would you have for them? So if you say you're going to do something, right. just do it even if you don't do it well, yes. you know, even, even if you don't do it the way you wanted to, but do it instead of, if you say you're going to wake up early, wake up early in right. the morning. If you say you're going to do right. something, do it. it. It instills that inner confidence to, 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 to allow you to, to tackle bigger things. And, and, um, yeah, I constantly, constantly auditing that as well. So I love that answer. I really do. And I do like to add in too, if, if you're having trouble keeping promises, lower your standards a little bit until you start can consistently small. do it, right? Yes. Yeah, start Build small. Exactly. So if you're consistently failing at this level here, bring it down a bit, win mm -hmm. here, and you're going to make it there. So yeah, that's yeah. that's good advice. Solid, solid advice. I wish we could keep this going. This has been amazing. Um, tell me, how can how can listeners find out more about you? Um, follow along in your journey. Where would be the key places for them to look? Now I'm going to leave all your contact info below, so they they can find you there. But where would you recommend people reach out to you, follow along? Yeah, I think it, you're everywhere. Instagram so probably literally, <laughs> <laughs> literally anywhere. Like search up my name, Elena Sensic. You'll find all of my social media platforms on Google, my Windsor REI social, my website, all of that. Um, you could, you know, I, the best place is Instagram. Like I respond to my DMs there. So, um, you know, Milena underscore Simsic or on TikTok, Milena Simsic, um, you know, Facebook, wherever, like I, I'm everywhere. So, um, yeah, just feel free to reach out if you need anything. Melena, I want to thank you so much for coming on here. I know I got value from this episode, so I can just imagine everyone else listening to this episode. Really want to thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate the opportunity and it was uh, amazing talking with you and seeing your Alex Hermosi swag in the back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love your setup, by the way, like the mic, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to Building Wealth Through Real Estate. If you're interested in learning advanced tips on real estate wholesaling in Canada, then you definitely want to check out my interview with Sai Lee. This is your host, Alray Noble, signing off.